I am so proud to be working with Kills to bring you this season of Rain with Josh Smith. I created Rain to empower communities everywhere and start important conversations about equality, and Kills have been doing exactly that for more than 170 years. Not only do Kills make you feel like your best self with their award-winning apothecary skincare products, but they also support local communities through charity partnerships, literally changing lives. And in the spirit of feeling like our best selves, Kills have just added a new cream formulation of their best-selling midnight recovery oil. And trust me when I say you need this in your life. Say hello to the Midnight Recovery Omega Rich Cloud Cream, which will not only help your skin look plumped, nourished, and radiant, it will also empower you to feel fabulous and take on absolutely anything. It's available now at your nearest Kills store or on kills.co.uk. Hey, I'm Josh Smith and welcome to Rain. And I'm so glad you're here, babes. This podcast is all about opening up, having important conversations and celebrating successes, as well as overcoming obstacles to reign over our own lives. I love to chat to people and I always find things in these conversations to take away and use in my own life. So I really hope you'll find the same as well. Welcome to Rain. In today's episode, we're joined by the star of my new favourite show, The Gilded Age. It's Louisa Jacobson. If you haven't seen it already, The Gilded Age is everything you need from a costume drama and more. It's enough to make you want to rip off your corset in excitement. (laughs) The show follows Louisa's character, Marion Brooke, a rural gal who moves to New York after her father's death to live with her aunts, Ada, played by the Queen, Cynthia Nixon, and Agnes, who is also a queen of the one-line put-down, played by Christine Baranski. It's escapist TV at its finest, with a side helping of juicy drama, as the well-to-do aunts have their bustles, while and truly rustled, by the new family on the block, the Russells. <laughs> In this episode, Louisa talks about the perils of wearing a corset all day long and how she rebelled against her family by choosing a life in advertising before eventually taking the plunge into acting. And she also shares some amazing advice for remaining present and dealing with imposter syndrome. I know so many of you suffer from that just like me, so I think you're going to really love what you're about to hear. Crowns at the ready, let's rain. Well, hello, babe. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm good. Well, I'm officially obsessed with The Gilded Age. Let's just get straight into it. It's everything as a costume drama fan that I wanted in my life right now. It's the big sets. It's the old lady gossips. It's the costumes. It's the intrigue thrown in. What was the moment for you when you were like, oh my God, I'm actually on a Julian Fellows period drama. What was that moment for you? And you were like, oh my God. Oh, well, you know, the whole thing was so overwhelming because <laughs> we were supposed to start shooting March, 2020. And obviously that didn't happen because the pandemic and we, six months later, so after like being literally in my house for months, not talking to anyone, not you know, <laughs> I felt like I was being shot out of a cannon. Like we start October 1st, 2020, 2020. And I've got a corset on, a huge <laughs> skirt, 
a bustle, a dress that like comes up to my neck and is sort of tight around my neck and a COVID mask. And, you know, I just felt like I was on a different planet. (laughs) It was really uh, a strange situation to get used to. So that was like the first moment where I was like, wow. But that was a scary sort of, not negative, but it was definitely a a weird wow moment. Um, I would have to say there was a day sort of later on in shooting when we were in Newport and we were shooting inside of the Breakers, which is a real Gilded Age mansion that was built in 1890 or 1891. Um, And we were in a ballroom and there were thousands of extras in period clothing and we were standing on the original parquet wood floors of this ballroom. And I just, I could feel the ghosts in the room. And it just was a moment where I felt I was going back in time. And it was stunning. I had to pinch myself a million times. And as we were exiting that location, when we were done shooting that night, it was sort of a warm night, the wind was blowing and all these extras were walking out of the, the mansion holding their gowns and it was as if a party had just ended. And I feel like I also did my best work in that one scene that we shot. So it was it was phenomenal. That moment was a, a memorable, memorable moment for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I imagine the moment when you had to literally whack on a corset after being in lockdown <laughs> months months oh, later. it's a very it's, relatable moment it took a long time to get used to that corset after wearing sweatpants for so long <laughs> um and every day when i took it off i was so grateful and i will never take for granted being a female identifying person in 2022 who does have the freedom to like put on a pair of pants that are kind of loose and call it a day you know <laughs> like <laughs> the things women had to do um yeah the course it was was crazy crazy because crazy. Mm. i bet actually when you put put that corset on it changes your body image so much right how did it make you yeah. rethink and relook at your body image and what's your body image relationship been like up until that point when you then start reviewing it in a new weird way in a new different microscope through a different time almost as well yeah you know It's funny, I realized how I've internalized beauty standards so intensely. I mean, you've seen Cinderella, you've seen any Disney Mm -hmm. movie, have you seen Frozen? Their waists are like the size of my finger. All the the main princess characters just have these like tiny little waists and you grow up seeing that. And obviously I think I walked on set and I was like, in my fittings too, I was like, just tighten it. I want to look snatched, you know? And I really suffered from that decision because they measured and sewed all my, they built my costumes based on like how tight my corset was in the fitting when I had been really ambitious about making it very tight. (laughs) And so I would say like three or four months into shooting, I actually had to ask them to take out my dresses from the waist because it was just too much. It was taxing physically and mentally. Um, I couldn't sleep on my side for a long time because my ribs oh my were God. so sore. And that's when I realized I was like, I really need to, to loosen this up. You know, after every um, take or between setups, I would ask the uh, 
my dresser to untie the, the corset so that I could get a break. Of course it breaks um, because we were there for 15 hours, you know, to have that on for that long is, is bananas. And, and the women back then, actually in the Gilded Age, they would change their clothes like three or four times a day. And someone on set um, assumed that that was because they needed breaks from wearing these corsets and they wore them even tighter than we did. So, um, yeah, it was an interesting experience. It's such a physical constriction, but it's also a mental constriction as well. How did that play out in your mind as well? Yeah, I think it, it contributed to my character, Marion, um, I think Marion wants to break down or break through these boundaries a little bit. And I think that, that, that feeling of constriction wanting to break free was a very useful uh, tool for me to get into her character and her space and just, you know, I think as, a, as Louisa, the actor, I came in guns blazing with that mm. part and you know when you prepare for something for so long alone in alone in your apartment it's very different from actually coming to set and realizing oh this is the character according to the director or this is the character according to the costume designer or this is the character according to the other actors and characters so you have to forget everything you thought you knew in a sense you know hold on to some things but your character sort of morphed, at least my character morphed and changed as I stepped into that space and into the set. And it was sort of a collaborative approach. And, and I think they wanted, they wanted much more of a sweeter, more kind ingenue type person. And I remember coming and being like, Marion's like, hates Agnes and she hates Ada. And the director had to remind me, she's like, he was like, she's happy to be there. She's grateful that they've taken her in. So you can't just like be, bitch, be bitchy to them yeah. all the time. It must be daunting when it's your first like huge big role and you're having to find your power, your the way you want to navigate yourself on set as well and how you want to exercise yourself as an actress living in this world, right? It's like, it must be, it must have been very daunting to step onto that set. I think... While it was daunting, it was also so comforting because they were so nurturing. I mean, I felt I felt like I was surrounded by many moms, you know, <laughs> like I had Christine Baranski, Cynthia Nixon, uh, Jean Triplehorn, Kelly O'Hara, Carrie Coon. I was just surrounded by surrogate mothers and, uh, you know, as Marion was as well. It was very comforting and I... I you know, I realized that they had all had their first times at one point in their careers, switching from theater to, to TV and film. And so hearing their stories about that was super helpful for me. Um, and also part of the training that I got at, at Yale Drama School was that Imposter syndrome is definitely a common feeling for everyone, I'm sure, at times. Mm. But it's, it is sort of a waste of time to sit there and worry about whether you're worthy of being there or not. You kind of just have, part of your job is to be like, 
is to step into your space. Be like, I'm here. I'm here to do my job, you know, which is kind of comforting. You don't have to sit there being like, oh, they like me. Is this right? Are they going to find me out? You just you kind of have to just stay focused on, on the work. And that always helped me in those scary moments. But, but yeah, it, it was intimidating to be around so many theater actors at first, but so nurturing in the end. And, and that is, the theater is where I feel the most comfortable at this point in my life. And to be surrounded by so many theater actors, it just felt like I was, you know, having a continuation of, of drama school in a way. Because mm. that imposter syndrome for anyone could be so crippling at points. Like I get it all the time and I'm like, like literally like I should be in this situation I shouldn't be doing this should I be doing that how am I acting is this how is people responding to me and that's actually such an amazing piece of advice about how to deal with it it's actually the best piece of advice I've ever heard about having to deal with imposter syndrome because you've just got to push through it haven't you yeah you do it's like I mean it might be harsh but it's like it's a waste of everyone's time if you're sitting there worrying about whether or not you should be there you're there you're there and so you know just stay focused on the task at hand yeah Get it done. <laughs> Get yourself together. Shake yourself down. Exactly. Sometimes my one of my teachers said, prioritize the character's problems over the actor's problems. And that was something that also helped me on set. Every, anytime I started like spiraling about my performance or whatever, a take that I didn't like, something that I wasn't getting. I was like, Shh, what's Marion? What's what's Marion's mm. problem? And I love that about Marion because she does push through so many insecurities as well. And I felt very, she really has to push through herself in this new world that she's finding herself in. And it's a real coming of age moment for her as a person. And I think everyone has one of those big coming of age moments where they like, I'm stepping into myself now. What's been your coming of age moment do you think um i would say most recently because i feel like i'm still always coming of age like i'm not i i still feel sometimes like i'm 16 years old and like figuring out constantly i'm the same yeah you know what i mean um but i would say i was working after i graduated college i come from a family of artists. And so as the youngest, I was like, I'm gonna rebel and try out, you know, normal, a normal life. <laughs> and I worked in an advertising agency for two years and I loved, I loved it. I loved working in an office and having a salary and like health insurance and um, for many other reasons I loved it, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm. It wasn't what I wanted to do, and I, I knew that. And I had always been interested in acting from a very young age and, and pursued it, you know, all through middle, through high school, and a little bit in college. And then, but I stopped, and, and I, after two years of working in the ad agency, I just felt like I was stifling something inside of me. Um, and it was sort of growing so strong. You know when you don't use your muscles for a while and they start to sort of ache or like you feel like restless? It felt like that, sort of hard to describe. But I remember going 
on an audition during my lunch break from, from work. I like took the train up to Midtown and auditioned for a theater thing. And I felt so free in that room and so myself. And that was one of those moments for me. And, and then the whole process of applying to drama school and being in the auditions, waiting outside of the room, like I was folding my arms like this and I had a blue blazer on. And when I stood up and they called my name to go into the audition room, I realized that I had sweat. The, hand, the sweat oh. from my hands had stained oh. my, my blazer. I was so nervous, but so excited at the same time. And I went in and I, I just fearlessly stepped into myself. And from then on, I felt like whole again. And it was just that, that I think was my most recent coming of age moment. Mm. It was like the transition to not only accepting acting as a, as a career choice, but choosing it. What stopped you from accepting it? Was it a fear of failure? Because I think that if we operate from a place of fear, that sometimes can stop us having those very amazing moments where we step into ourselves in those kind of ways. Yeah, I think it's always a gamble to choose an artistic uh, endeavor for a career. Like to be an artist is a very unstable, at times, way to live, you know? And I, I think there's a part of me that is a little bit type A that like likes routine and likes security. Mm-hmm. And I knew that choosing acting would not necessarily provide me with any of that. So not a con- in a consistent sense. Acting as a career is very on and off. It's very hot and cold. Um, so that's part of why I didn't choose it for a while. Rain and Kills are both about empowering you to feel like your best self. And Kills' new Midnight Recovery Omega Rich Cloud Cream does exactly that. It's rich in omegas 3 and 6, which help replenish and rejuvenate skin and with it only taking seven nights to younger looking skin, I'll race you to that nearest Kill store, or you can shop on kills.co.uk. There's so many extreme up and downs on in any life between success and failure, isn't it? Especially when you choose a career in the entertainment industry where everyone can kind of see that, the front face of that success and the failure. They see all oh, the big show and then they're like, oh my God, but then when's the next thing coming? Like, how have you learned to define what success is and what failure is to you? And how's that definition changed in your life? You know, it's interesting. I ask myself that a lot. And I was listening to your um, interview with Samira Wiley. We actually met at Williamstown. We were both doing theater there. Oh my God, she's fabulous. Yeah, she's phenomenal. I love love her. She said that success is having a happy and healthy life. And I, I think that, especially after the pandemic, yes, I'm hungry for, for career success, but ultimately the thing that Matt, you, you never know what's going to happen in life. Mm. Like when Gilded Age was put on hold for the pandemic, I thought there's a possibility this won't happen. And, you know, I, 
throughout shooting season one, I was like, there's no guarantee there's going to be a season two. You, you cannot put all of your eggs in this basket as an actor. You, you have to, to understand that whatever you're trying to achieve is like something already within you. The pandemic really made me sit still and it made me, there's an app that I downloaded. I am such a cliche, but it was waking up with Sam Harris and it's all about meditation. And, and um, he talks about how there's like, even the most successful people are still riddled with anxiety and this feeling of, nothing's ever enough or like it feels that happiness and achievement is so fleeting like it and so if, if people who have everything that you think you want are still sitting here being like stressed and anxious what does that tell you and i think it just tells you that you have to just be present and appreciate the moment right in front of you and right now and everything around you and just accept it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It makes complete sense. This really reminds me of something where I talked to Claire Foy about this and she talked about success. And she was talking about how after The Crown, she obviously won all these awards. And then she... <laughs> She took a step back and she was like, what's it even mean? Like, this isn't, this hasn't actually brought me much more happiness than what I had before. Like, so success is more of a feeling. It's an, it's a innate thing with inside of you where you think, oh my God, I'm actually content in my life. Not reaching for these accolades, not reaching for a mantelpiece full of like Oscars and like, you know, a couple of like Golden Globes thrown in for good measure. Like, that's not, that's not really going to, bring you the ultimate success, which is the contentment within. And I thought that was such a profound way of looking at it, because if you constantly look for something that's outside of yourself, you're never really going to be happy, right? Right, right, right. And, you know, that's where sometimes when I get caught up in my career ambitions or worries about, is this series going to be good for me or bad for me? I kind of am like, just focus on other things like my you know, beautiful nephew and nieces that have just been born a few years ago and my amazing friend circle, my community of other actors, like my friends, my classmates from Yale. Um, honestly, my, my time there really made me appreciate like enjoying the moment and being in the moment. I don't think I've ever spent three consecutive years because part of our training was to learn how to be present, literally, mm. like to a microscopic level. Like you're, you have to become so aware of everything, of your body, of the room, of the character, of the moment. Of, it's just part of the training and so, that was my job every day. And that's, that stuck with me. Um, and I think that helped me in Gilded Age to just really stop and breathe and take in the moment that I was in every day on set. Um, 
and the people that were around me. It's it's the process, not the product, as they like <laughs> say. So, you know. Well, I I mean, I struggle with being present in any given situation. I'm always like, my mind is moving. It's like, so I need to get some tips. I think so many people need to be more present <laughs> in their lives. How do you do it, babe? <laughs> Talk me through the process oh of being more present. <laughs> Give me an education well, in there. you know, I well, someone told me once, touch something in this space. Just touch something and feel it. And like, yeah. just what what does it feel like? Take a second to to really focus on that one thing it takes you out of your own mind and lets you focus on that, that one thing. Or sometimes I, everyone says this, but if you just stop and focus on your breathing, that can sort of center you. Um, I really highly recommend Alexander technique to everyone. Some of these things are very witchy, but like it works, it works. But I would We're say all about the witchiness. Yeah. Yes. Serve me that witchiness. Like I need it. <laughs> like yeah. but it's so important to do that because if you we live in such hyper-connected worlds as well, don't we? Where we've got like, you know, you can pick up your phone at every given second and you're like constantly connected. It's so hard to say that present. It's such an important thing to do because it gives you that time to reflect on your relationship with yourself, right? And especially living in this world where we're re-entering whatever the normal world is. You need to take those moments to reflect on yourself and be present and process the emotions that you're going through. Yes, totally. Well, I'm taking away that I'm going to be super more present from this. And um, <laughs> we always end on one final question, which always is, in the reign of your life, what is the one rule you'll always live by? Um, this is from my father. And he says, start by starting. And that's gotten me through most of my life. Because I think, as you probably know, sometimes it's just hard to start something because you can talk yourself out of it so easily. There's so many reasons why you shouldn't do something. But sometimes all you have to do is just start. So That is so good. Because that's honestly what <laughs> stops me from doing so much stuff is literally the starting process. It's actually just getting into it and just starting it. I'm always like freaking out about like, oh my God, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. Sometimes you just need to put, if it's a pen to paper or just one foot in front of the other. And that is that works in anything, doesn't it? It doesn't have to be in terms of achievements. It, it can be in just mindset, anything. Anything. And you know, he's an artist. And so I think he says that to himself when he's just starting a new piece. Um, yeah, it applies to everything. It's, it's a great I, piece of advice. I love that. Well, I'm taking that with me. And thank you so <laughs> much for joining me. Literally just to like gossip about the Gilded Age. It's just been phenomenal. Oh, I could go on and on. Babe. I could go on you... and on. Also, one more thing I'll leave you with is that fun fact about the Gilded Age. The concept of cocktails as like a... Uh, pastime is a Gilded Age thing because of the transcontinental railroad and and we could like make like get oranges and lemons from the west and ice was being manufactured ice cubes and so they started making all these cocktails as they called them and they were not available to women cocktails were only things that men enjoyed until later like women had to stick with wine so if you're a lady <laughs> it's a radical act to drink a cocktail so, <laughs> cheers <laughs> i always feel like it's a radical act to drink a cocktail 
<laughs> I love that. Who knew? I know. It's so interesting. There's so many fun facts. <laughs> we would not have espresso martinis if it wasn't for the Gilded Age. Actually, the martini is a Gilded Age cocktail, and as is a Manhattan. They do say that everyone has a lesson in them, and I've definitely learned some good lessons from you today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, babe. Thank you so much for joining me for another amazing episode of Rain. I really hope you found something to take away from this episode. And if you have, let me know. You can always get me on socials at Josh Smith Hosts. I love to hear from you. And as always, if you've enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe, or follow wherever you get your podcasts from. And more importantly, please share this with someone you think needs to hear it. Let's get those convos going and I'll see you next time.